Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Before we get going, listen to these quotes. I love these quotes. I've been wanting to read them and and haven't had opportunity over the last several weeks, but I guess now is a good time as any. Listen to these quotes concerning the Word of God. Men don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. That's awesome. The Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. If a Christian is careless in reading the Bible, he will care less about Christian living. Backsliders begin with dusty Bibles and end with filthy hearts. We cannot bear fruit without the water of God's word. Those who only sample the Bible never acquire a taste for it. A well-read Bible is a sign of a well-fed soul. Don't you love that? Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. A Bible that's fallen apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Don't you love that? A Bible that's fallen apart. That means you've been reading it, reading it, reading it, notes, and it's old and rickety and raggedy, and a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And Jesus said in John 15, I want you to look at John 15, Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you, let my word abide in you, and you'll bring forth more fruit. Look at verse 2, you'll bring forth more fruit, and in verse 5, He said, you abide in me and I abide in you and you'll bring forth much fruit in John 15. Let's back up a bit. I want to kind of set the stage again in John's gospel. You know that chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are five chapters crammed into one night. In chapter 13, Jesus had challenged the disciples to serve one another. He washed their feet and set the example. You know that. John chapter 13, y'all come, can you keep up with me? Y'all okay? Y'all tired? All right, look at verse 16 in chapter 13. Y'all keep up with me, all right? Look at 13, verse 16. Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. He goes on to tell them that he's going away and that they can't come. He tells them one of them is going to betray him. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Chapter 14, verse 1, he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. They should also believe in him. Chapter 14, look at verse 6. He told them, in verse 6, he told them that he was, somebody help me, read it with me. He was the way, the truth, and the life. He said that he was going, but that he would send another comforter, another of the same class, uh, kind, and caliber, another comforter, just like himself, even the spirit of truth. He said when the spirit comes, he's going to bring all things to remembrance whatsoever he said. Look at chapter 14, verse 27. You still with me? 
Chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then Jesus moved to chapter 15. Uh, just by a show of hands, who's been with me in chapter 15? Show of hands, nice and high. Good, that's, that's most of you. Then you know that we've been talking about the vine and the branches. And I want you to look at verse 4 in chapter 15. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Look at verse 5. Jesus said, unless you abide in me, you can do a little bit of stuff. Uh, what do he say? You can do what? Nothing. We talked about a branch grows through its connection with the vine. And we grow because of our connection with Jesus. A branch is nothing apart from the vine, and we are nothing apart from Jesus. A branch's resources and energy come from the vine. Our resources and energy come from, anybody know? Y'all said that like it was tentative. I won't even talk. I've been saying one name since I've been up here, and it ain't been Rodney. All right? I'm going to try that again because I think y'all were asleep. Our resources and energy come from? Jesus. No need to yell. Just <laughs> Our ability to bear fruit. It's because of Jesus, because of this, we talked about it, this supernatural union that we have with the vine. We talked about with all the fruit-bearing stuff we've been talking about, we need to stay humble so we could bear more fruit for the glory of God. Let the church say amen. So Jesus has been talking about what it means to abide in Jesus, abide in the vine. And if you abide, listen, that will lead to a relationship and friendship. The last time... We talked about what it meant to abide in him. That was last week. Today, I want to talk to you about what it means to be friends with him. Friends with Jesus. Got a pen? Write that down. Friends with Jesus. I've titled this sermon, Jesus, Our Friend. John chapter 15, saints, we pick up in verse 12. We left off in verse 11. Amen. So we picking up where? Verse 12. I'm glad four people knew that. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. If you're looking at it, see, I'm looking at it. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Listen, I want you to underline that in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead. Just reach over there right now. Scribble in there. As I have loved you, Jesus said, greater love is no man than this than, than to lay down his life for one's friend, for his friends. You are my friend, verse 14, if you do whatever I command you. And no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Underline that. We're friends, but you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things in verse 17, I command you that you love one another. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you were with us, I told you in chapter 14, chapter 14 uh, is commonly called the comfort chapter, the comfort chapter. Martin Luther said of chapter 14, he said, Chapter 14 was the best and the most comforting sermon that the Lord Jesus ever delivered on earth. 
Chapter 14 spends the entire chapter, as I told you, were you with me in chapter 14? I told you that in chapter 14, Jesus spends the entire chapter stacking comfort upon comfort upon comfort upon comfort on his disciples, telling them that he won't leave them orphans, that he's going to send a comforter. Chapter 15, Jesus begins talking about the vine and the branch relationship. Chapter 15 feels like, at least to me, feels like a step deeper in intimacy and fellowship with Jesus. As Jesus moves beyond discipleship to friendship, chapter 15, beginning in verse 12, Jesus gets intimate and personal. No longer is Jesus calling them only disciples. No longer is Jesus calling them servants. Are you listening? The remainder of chapter 15, Jesus calls the real Christians the abiding fruit, the good fruit, the abiding branches, the true disciples, he calls them friends. Friends. I took the time to look up in Webster's Dictionary the word friend, and here's Webster's Dictionary's definition of a friend. A friend, a person who one knows and likes and trusts. A person with who one is aligned in a struggle or a cause. A supporter, a sympathizer, a patron of a group cause or move. In the fullest sense of all that this word implies, Jesus calls his disciples his friends. Now listen, saints, the Bible has many names for Christians and uh, many names for the Christian's relationship to Jesus. And got a pen? Want to keep up with me? The Bible calls us sons of God. The Bible calls us children of God. The Bible calls us brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called learners. We're called sheep because we are to follow him. We're called strangers and sojourners because we're passing through. We're called children of the most high God. We're called men of God. But one of the greatest terms, listen, in my opinion, one of the greatest terms in our relationship with Jesus, he calls us friends. Someone allied in a struggle or a cause with, a person who knows you and likes you. Do you understand that Jesus doesn't just love you, that he likes you? Say amen. Because some folks, you know, when they get to know you, they don't like you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. They get to know you, they're like, I'm yeah. How do you like them? Well, you know, they they aight. They aight. You know, look, you're not aight with Jesus. He loves you and he likes you. He loves you and he knows you and he likes you and loves you anyway. Say thank you, Jesus. You ought to. Jesus likes you and he loves you. Jesus loves us. Somebody should say, Thank you, Lord, and clap your hands. I think, I think that's what you ought to do, really. Thank you, Lord. You love us and you like us. In verse 12, go ahead and look at it again. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Notice, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is a commandment, not a suggestion. A commandment, not a suggestion. Now, how did Jesus love us? Selfless, sacrificial, and forgiving. Selfless, sacrificial, and forgiving. And that's how we love one another. Selflessly, 
sacrificially and forgiving. Now, up to this point, listen, as Jesus has been talking in the Gospels, as you put them together, up to this point, Jesus had been telling the disciples to love your neighbor as yourself, Luke 10, 27. Love your neighbor as yourself. But now Jesus gives the disciples a new commandment based on a different comparison. They are to love each other as he loved them. Jesus loved them unconditionally, say amen. Jesus loved them in their unbelief, Matthew 14, 31. Peter began to sink in the water, and Jesus loved them. He loved them in their pettiness, Matthew 18, verse 1 through 6. Remember, they're talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. He loved them in their desertion, Matthew 26, 31. Jesus said that they would all leave him. He loved them in their denial, not only in their unbelief and their pettiness and their desertion, but also in their denial in Matthew 26. As Peter said, I won't stumble, and he did. He loved them in their laziness, Matthew 26, 36 through 46, as they fell asleep while praying in the garden. He loved them in their betrayal, Matthew 26. Remember Judas and the soldiers come to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then John chapter 13, verse 1 tells us he loved them to the end. Saints, if you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you know I love to point this out. Do you understand that Jesus didn't talk about love? He didn't write songs about love. He didn't write poems about love. As a matter of fact, search the scriptures. Jesus never looked at, search the scriptures. He never looked anybody in the face and said, I love you. Never. That's interesting to me. Because we, 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 we use the word love quite frequently. We use the word love for everything. I love pizza. I love my German shepherd. I love my house. I love my children. I love my dog. I love my, my, my cat. I love a uh, nice house. I love that movie. We use the word love for everything. Jesus didn't. And he never looked anybody in the face and said, I love you in his whole ministry. Why? Because Jesus didn't talk about love. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't talk about love. He demonstrated his love toward us. He showed us. He sacrificed his own life to show us how much he loved us. Are you glad about it? And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And then, go with me, chapter 13, verse 35. John 13, verse 35. Love one another. Y'all tracking with me? Love one another as I have loved you. Then, 13, 35, by this all will know Y'all, come on, read it with me. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. Love one another as I have loved you, and this is how the world's going to know that you're following me. This is how the world's going to know that you're Christians, by your love. Get this, not just by your love, but by your love for one another. Not just for your love. Like you just love the world and you love things and you love the cats. I don't know why I keep saying cats today. 
but your love for one another for other believers. Now, if you were with me in chapter 13, you know I told you the first mark of a committed Christian is that he is absorbed with the Lord's glory. I also then told you the second mark of a committed Christian is his love. Jesus said a new commandment I give you that you love one another. This word new, take notes, write it down. This word new does not mean just invented or recent or different. This word new implies freshness, freshness, or present in a new fresh way. The commandment that is present in a new fresh way is love each other. Let the church say amen. The new law is that men should love each other better than they love themselves. I know loving each other is kind of hard. Loving folk in the church sometimes can be hard. Yep, I'm the pastor and I'm telling you that's a fact. Sometimes loving folk on the earth in the church can be hard. I love what Chuck Swindoll says, to dwell above with saints we love, well, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, that's another story. That's true. It is another story to live below with saints we know. But Jesus tells us that we're to love each other. Christian, listen. Jesus said, this is the way the world's going to know that you're his. Y'all need to get this. And I'm only talking to Christians, okay? This is the way the world is going to know that you're his, by your love for one another. And isn't it sad but true, the world loves its own. The world accepts its own. Flaws and all. Faults, flaws and all. The world accepts its own. You know, the world says, hey, you do you, I'll do me. Don't judge me. I'll do my thing. You know, this is my truth. That's a big little catchphrase in the world nowadays. This is my truth. This is my journey and my truth, as if there are multiple truths. Can I tell you something? There is one truth. Jesus said, I am that one truth, and that's the only truth that there is. Okay, be that as it may, this is my truth, they say. This is my journey And so don't judge me. I do my thing. You do your thing. And we are the world. We all get along, don't they? The world accepts its own. The church, on the other hand, we are the only organization that shoots its wounded. And it's true. You come to church and you go, well, bro, you know, I need... I need prayer, man. I, you know, I was involved in this last night, and I, you know, I did this, and I messed up. Man, I went here, and I went there, and I shouldn't have done it. And, and you know, you just you need to pray for me, man. They go, really? Oh, okay. Well, you know you're going to hell for that. Hold it, man. I mean, I thought you were going to pray for me and lift me up and encourage me and love me. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you're going, poof. We shoot our wounded. Instead of receiving them and loving them, listen, church, listen, men, we've got to do better in the love department. Some of us don't love enough to give our time to serving the Lord. Some of us don't love enough to give our time to serving in the children's ministry. Some of us don't love enough to give our money to the furthering of the kingdom, which is the most important thing on the earth, so we say. We say, now listen, let me just preface this by this. If you're a first-time visitor here, I am talking about money. I don't usually talk about money unless it comes up in the Scripture, so you just kind of caught me on a good day. 
And let Calvary Chapel folks who know that to be true say amen, clap your hands. You know how I am about that, okay? So I don't, I'm not money this and money that every single week because somebody, oh, here he go with the money thing again. All the preachers. No, it's not like that here. But it is a fact and it is true. That sometime we say that the kingdom of God is the most important thing on the earth. We say only what you do for Christ will last. We say that we, you know, we need to preach the gospel and further the kingdom and all of these kinds of things. And yet we fail to give to it financially. That's not right. Amen. One person. Amen. We fail to give to it financially. If we really believe that Jesus is coming, God, help me. If we really believe that Jesus is coming, if we really believe that we could be raptured at any moment, if we really believe that we're not going to take it with us, then why do we act like we're going to take it with us and we spend all of our time, talent, and resources here on this earth instead of investing it in the kingdom of God where Jesus said, what you send ahead, moth and rust will not corrupt, thieves will not break in and steal. Am I right about it? If we really believe that, then why don't we live like that? And why is it in the church you have this, this period of time called the summer months, and in church language they call it the summer months financial giving slump? And if you're in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. I was visiting a church website just yesterday, a local church, and it, it, on the church banner, you know, the, 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 the graphics go by. On the church banner, it says that they are canceling uh, one of their services for the summer months. For the summer months. So they got two services, but in the summer, they're canceling one service, um, so they go to one service. And what? Is that because uh, people are on vacation and not there? Or is that because the giving financially cannot sustain the church to services for that month? It's probably a little of both. Even if the people are not there, that's one thing. But you can still give to the church. You can look, you can be on vacation and mail your check, your tithe in and mail your offering in. Somebody say amen. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. You can mail it in, you can, you, can, you can give online, which is easy, convenient, and safe. <laughs> and so why is it that the church, and even here at Calvary Chapel, I'll be honest with you, every church across the country experiences the summer months giving slump because People are more concerned about their vacation than they are about the kingdom. And that's right. And you're clapping because that's an amen. Am I right about it? They're more concerned about their vacation than they are about the kingdom. And even some people may have their giving set up and then they stop it for the summer months and then they pick it back up. That is a shame before the living God. Listen, we're supposed to put Jesus first in everything. He said, I shall have no other gods before me. I'll wait while you clap your hands. He said, I will have no other gods before me. And when he says, I don't, will not have any other gods before me, he doesn't mean before me like you can have other gods after me. Uh-huh. When he says before me, he means I will have no other gods in my face. 
In other words, I will have no other gods in my presence. He is the one, the true, the only God, and he will have no other gods. And we are to put him first in everything and give to him first. And if you do that, God will bless you. Do you understand that giving to God does not make God happy? Giving to God shows that you are obedient unto God, and that will bring, obedience brings blessings. Am I right about that? Obedience brings blessings. So it is a blessing for you to give, and that's why the Bible says that we are to give cheerfully. You know, we hear so much talk, and I don't know, do you, about the end times harvest. People talk about that all the time. You know, oh, there's going to be end times harvest. Before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a souls, big souls of people. All these people are going to be coming to church, and, and there's going to be a huge end times harvest people talk about. And I don't know, personally, I don't know how we plan to get those souls in the kingdom if when those souls look at the church, they don't see love. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.